Let us pray. Lord, at this moment we ask for illumination. We ask that your light will shine upon our hearts, that any darkness or cloudiness that may loom over us, that may distract us, that may compete for our attention will be cleared away at this time. That your word that is about to be read will will penetrate us and and move us and shape us into Christ-like people. We ask that your truth will be heard, your truth will be spoken, and that your name will be glorified here as we bask in the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from Psalms 43, chapter 1 through 5. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A few months ago, I preached a sermon from Psalm 39, and it just seemed like a a good passage to use, and I didn't think much of it. And later that week, when I went to to school up at Emory, somebody asked me, well, what text did you use to preach this week? And I told them that it was a psalm, and they said, ooh, you're brave. And I said, what do you mean? They said, "I, I just don't know anybody that preaches out of the psalms. And, and it seemed a little strange to me because, I mean, it's the largest book in the Bible. It's right there in the middle of the Bible, and it's a wonderful book of, of prayers that we can lean on, that we can draw inspiration from, and, uh, and that we can pray ourselves. I love the Psalms because they are real and they are raw, and you get the, you, the uh, emotion of, of whoever was writing it at the time, whether it was David or whether it was the Israelites who were in exile. They were being very honest with God about their joy, about their heartache, whatever it was they were going through. And when we read the Psalms, that, that, that feeds us, that gives us something that we can also take to God when we pray. Unfortunately, uh, we're not a very biblically literate society, and we're not even a very biblically literate church, talking about the, uh, the global church and, and especially the church here in America. Um, I was reading a, a survey recently that said 88% of Americans own a Bible. 88%, that's a large number. But of those 88%, over 60% confess to reading it four times a year or less. Now that sounds like, okay, well maybe there's a whole lot of people who own a Bible but they just aren't Christians. But then consider this. 
of regular church members, over 80% of them confessed to reading their Bible four times a year or less. We've become a biblically illiterate church. And it's very sad because what happens is we depend on these slogans or these catchphrases or these little quips that we've heard and we try to draw strength from that. And I think all of us may have been guilty of that at some point when when we go through something, it's easy to just pull up or conjure up this this phrase or this mantra or this motto that we've heard. If, If you've ever heard somebody going through a hard time say something like, well, God won't give me more than I can't handle. Or maybe you offer that as a piece of comfort to someone else. Well, the Lord won't give you more than you can't handle. Well, that's a nice thought, but that, that's, that's not scripture. That's not in the Bible. It's just a slogan that people say. And, and, and it's unfortunate because people go through real hard times. They go through real heartache. And then they, that's what they have to pull from is these little catchphrases and, and mantras that we, we, we say because we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to talk to God. We don't know how to go through the, the rough times the scriptural way. And that's why the Psalms are so important for us because they're real. They're honest. The psalmists are, are always telling God about something that they're angry about or they're crying out, God, why have you let this happen? And sometimes we think, well, we should never talk to God that way. God is good and he loves us and we should never cry out and say, why did you let this happen? But it's biblical. It's in scripture, all through the scripture. The psalmists do it. The disciples do it. Jesus did it. And when we go through hard times, God wants us to have that honest conversation, to cry out to him in our time of need. The psalms teach us to do that. Just like I was telling the children uh, in, in uh, the children's sermon, we, we practice something to get better at it. Well, last year, um, there was a, a running back for the University of Alabama named Derrick Henry. And he uh, was not uh, a favorite at all to win the Heisman Trophy at the beginning of the year. Nobody was talking about it. He wasn't even in the conversation. They were just sure that somebody else was going to get it. But Henry, uh, throughout the season, kept getting better and better, and, and he just would, would grind away. And, uh, and he wasn't fast necessarily. He wasn't uh, agile. He didn't make all these fancy cuts and spins, and so he, he wasn't grabbing the highlight reels. That's why nobody was paying attention to him. But the thing that team after team after team would say after they played uh, against Henry was, he runs downhill all the time. He's so hard to stop because he runs downhill. And I started wondering, how do you run downhill when you're running on a, a flat surface, on a level surface? And so I looked it up, and, and there, there are videos coaching people how to run downhill. You see, when we run downhill, our, our legs have to move a different way. Our hips have to strike faster. Our, our stride has to get wider because if it doesn't, we'll fall on our face. And our body, our legs, naturally do this when we're running down a hill because it's, it's trying to keep us from falling forward. Well, you can train yourself to run uphill or on a level surface in the same way, using those same muscles and that same muscle memory. But it takes practice and it takes dedication. You have to train your legs to work a certain way naturally. That's what the Psalms do for us. They train us to pray in a way that will benefit us, that will help us to get over the hills of life, that will help us to get through the hard times. 
We can't just do it if we're, if we can't make it through those times if we're just coasting or if we're just doing what, what simply comes natural to us. If you notice in the bulletin, we, we have a section that with the, the daily scriptures. There's always a psalm in there. Our Lectio Divina in the bulletin is, is about half the time a psalm. It's because that's so important to who we are. It's so important to our, our spiritual growth and, and our heritage. They teach us how to pray. But let's talk about this psalm specifically. Psalm 43. It starts off with the word vindicate. And right there we notice that it, this is different from a prayer that we normally pray. How many of us start off a prayer saying, vindicate me God? It doesn't really happen. We don't think to do that. But the psalmist does. He starts off saying, vindicate me, God, because in that moment, that's what he wants. That's, that's his feeling. And he's noticing evil all around him. He is noticing people betraying him, taking advantage of him, doing him in. And he's, saying, and he's noticing this is not fair. This is not right. And he's going to God about it. And he's telling him, God, I've been mistreated. Something is going on here. Evil forces are attacking me, and I need you to step in. That's an honest prayer. And it comes from the psalmist being able to see that there are dark forces surrounding him. Now, we don't know if David wrote this psalm. David wrote a lot of the psalms, but this one doesn't say, it doesn't attribute it to him. But we're going to use David as an example anyway, because he could have written the psalm. But even if he didn't, this is something that, that would have made a lot of sense for him to write. He, uh, he, he served King Saul. He ministered to Saul. Uh, he, Saul was a mentor to him. And then, all of a sudden, because of Saul's jealousy, he was betrayed by Saul. And Saul sought to kill him, and, and David had to go into hiding. Later in life, David's uh, one of his close friends that he would go into the throne room with and, and worship at the altar with wound up betraying him and abandoning him. And then even later in life, Absalom, his son, rebelled against David and started his own army and tried to lead a rebellion against his father. So David knew something about people rejecting him, people turning their backs against him. And so for David, it would have been a very uh, uh, normal prayer for him to cry out and say, vindicate me. There, there is evil all around me. People are doing me in. I have enemies that are seeking to do me in. But the truth is, David's enemy, or the psalmist's enemy, if they were different people, and our enemy is really all the same. It's Satan. It's the, the, the forces of evil in the world that try to attack us. And, and the enemy will, will use jealousy, the enemy will use lust, the enemy will use greed, and he'll stir it up in others so that they oppose us. And so we are dealing with the same enemy that the psalmist did, the same enemy that David did. And these forces of evil are all around us. Sometimes they, they come out through other people. Sometimes they even play on our own hearts when we find ourselves tempted, when we find ourselves becoming angry or, or greedy needlessly. That's the, the enemy trying to keep us broken because we are all broken people living in a broken world. But God wants to reconcile us. He doesn't want us to stay broken. He wants to recognize that something is trying to pull us apart from him and he wants us to run to him and say, save me from this. 
Now, just, just for clarification, I'm not telling you to be mad at God and stay mad at God. Because that's another, that's another trick of the devil. To get you mad at God and then just cut off communication. Well, God did this. I'm mad about it. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. And a lot of people fall away from the church that way. What God does want is he wants you to come to him and tell him when you're frustrated, when you're angry, even if it's at God. Because the only way you can heal a relationship of any type is through honest communication. If you're mad at one of your friends or at your spouse or, or a, a loved one, a child, a parent, whatever it is, and you just say, um, I'm mad at that person and I'm not going to talk to him anymore, that relationship is severed. But when you go to that person and you tell them, listen, I am hurt and I want to talk about this, that's when the healing can begin. And we are called into relationship with God. And so the healing can only begin when we tell him, Lord, why have you allowed this to happen? Why am I going through this? Step in for me. Where have you been? And there's nothing wrong with praying that prayer if that's how we truly feel. In the garden, Jesus prayed, let this cup pass from me. I don't want this. And then he said, not, not my will, but yours. But then, as he died on the cross, he cried out again, Father, why have you forsaken me? That is an honest prayer. And God would rather us call out to him and say, Lord, where are you? I need you. I feel abandoned right now. Why haven't you helped me? God would rather us cry out that than to just not talk to him and fall back on worn-out cliches or mantras to try to make ourselves feel better about what's going on. Now, if you look at this psalm, and if you look at the psalm before it, a lot of scholars think that 42 and 43 were actually one psalm at one point. But if you look at both of them, they're kind of schizophrenic in nature. It starts off, the, the psalm 42 starts off, uh, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you. And it's saying, God, I want you. I, I need you. I need you in my life. But I can't find you. I don't have you right now. And all these people are doing all these things, but I trust that you're going to deliver me. And I'm in the darkness, but I trust that you're going to shine a light. And so you have this tension throughout the Psalms of despair and hope. Despair and hope. But it's only when we cry out in our despair that God can give us real hope. When you cry out, He'll hear you. And He'll give you the comfort and the hope that you need. But you're not going to receive it if you don't call out to Him. Now, uh, and during the Advent season, we talked about It's a Wonderful Life. We talked about George Bailey. And, and when he goes back to the bridge, after he decides that he wants to live... What does he pray? He says, Lord, show me the way. It's not an eloquent prayer. I'm not even really sure what, what that means. I'm not even sure that George Bailey would have known what that meant. But that's all, at that moment, that's all he could say. Show me the way. Show me the way. When Peter was sinking in the sea as he was walking on the water, all he could cry out was, save me. And the psalmist here cries out, Shine a light. Send forth your truth. We don't have to be well-versed. We don't have to wax poetic when we pray. We can cry out something as simple as, Show me the way. Shine a light. Send your truth. 
And in the midst of that, God will give us hope. And if any of those things sound familiar, the way, the truth, the light, it's because all of those things are embodied in Jesus Christ. And that's what God has done for us. He has sent us Jesus Christ in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our despair, so that we can have hope. And when we are crying out to him in the midst of, of all our anxiety, of all our, in the midst of all our fears and our darkness, he will remind you right then in that moment that you do have hope in Christ. This past, uh, these past few weeks have been a, a very busy time for me, so I, I've been pretty exhausted. Uh, you know what they say when you go on vacation, you, you need a vacation from vacation when you come back, especially when you have two small kids. Well, I, I came back from vacation last week and immediately started the, uh, the J-term class at Emory. So all this past week, I was in a classroom for about 9 to 10 hours a day. And, um, and as, I'm, as I'm going through that, I'm also trying to sit with this psalm and, and think about what does it mean um, to have a, a light shone in the midst of your darkness. And sometimes darkness doesn't always look like despair. It doesn't always look like people trying to get at you. Sometimes it just looks like extreme fatigue. Sometimes it looks like exhaustion or loneliness. Sometimes, when you're in Atlanta, it looks like um, temptation. Because you get up there and you see everywhere you look, billboards, advertisements, everything, it's just, uh, everything is meant to appeal to our human senses, to our lusts, to our desires, to our, to our selfish desires. And you really start to get a sense when, when you're in a place like that, but, but really, you don't even need to. You can turn on the TV and see it that we are just bombarded with, with worldly images that try to appeal to, the, to the, the fleshly part of us. And so I was in Atlanta, tired, fatigued, and I was just asking God, what would it look like to pray, shine a light in the midst of my darkness? And so I'm walking through CVS, and there's a magazine rack against the wall, and um, and, and normally when you go through a magazine rack uh, or, or buy one, you, you kind of have to do like this because there's so I mean, even if it's not, you know, dirty magazines or anything, you'll have Cosmopolitan, you'll have Shape and Self and all these other magazines that are there. And, and everybody on there is scantily clad. So you're walking by these magazines, you know, like trying not to look at them as they bombard you. But something caught my eye as I was walking past and, and it made me stop, and it made me look. And right there in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all the self-magazines and the, and the magazines that are made to, uh, to make you covet new cars or guns or whatever it is, in the middle of all of that, right in the very center, was a magazine put out by Parade that had the face of Jesus on the cover. And it said, who was Jesus? Now, I didn't read the magazine, but I thought, how interesting. In the midst of all of that, meant to, to bombard us, meant to appeal to our senses, meant to sucker us in and make us spend our money on, on you know, whatever gratifies us. And the, right in the thick of it was Jesus. And sometimes we miss that. We miss that as we go through life and we're thinking about all the things that are dark, all the things that tempt us, all the things that oppress us. We miss that in the midst of it is Jesus Christ, the light the truth, the way. And so when we go to God and we cry out, 
Show me the way. Shine a light. Show me the truth. God will do it. The song teaches us that in the middle of our despair, in the midst of our hopelessness, in the midst of our temptations, we don't have to fall back on these shallow slogans and catchphrases to try to find hope and inspiration there. We can be real with God. We can be honest. In fact, that's what God wants because when we are honest, we are in relationship with Him. We are in conversation. And it's in relationship that God can truly give us real hope. Even if that conversation simply begins with a cry, show me the way, shine a light, save me. We live as broken people in a very broken world, surrounded by the enemy that wants to keep us broken. But God doesn't want that. God wants to heal us and to reconcile us. And in the midst of everything else, in the midst of all the darkness, if we cry out, God will shine a light. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you forgive us for all the times that we haven't cried out to you, for all the times that we haven't been honest with you. We ask that you move us into honesty in our relationship with you, that we can tell you what we feel, what we, what we are thinking, and that you will hear us. We ask that we do this, as we do this, you will restore our relationships with you, and that you will point us to the ultimate hope in the midst of our despair, that you will point us towards the ultimate light in the midst of our darkness. Point us towards Jesus Christ, Lord. Give us a hope. Shine a light, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 117, O God, our help in ages past. As always, if you've made a decision of any type this morning, I invite and encourage you to come forward as we sing and and let us know about it. Please stand if you are able. Hymn number 117.